Are you longing for real life change and lasting impact? At More To Be, we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, the founder of More To Be and the host of the More To Be podcast. And I'm here to help you think biblically and live transformed, to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. So we are continuing with our focus on the raw scripture study verses. And uh, this month we're looking at why there is no fear. So if you are new to our podcast, our raw scripture study verses uh, are attached to a printable calendar. Raw stands for read, A stands for apply, and W stands for write. And in our more to be tribe Facebook group, we spend time studying these verses around a particular theme. So on today's episode, we are diving into there is no fear. Uh, maybe you're a scaredy cat like me about a gazillion things. And we have with us my dear friend Kaylee Kelch as our co-host for this episode as we uh, open up uh, to First John. So Kaylee, welcome. Thanks. It's good to be here again. It's always good for us to be together. Yes. I love it that we get to do this and that those that get to listen, get to hear what pretty much happens in our conversations when we're not recording, right? Very true. Very true, right? So we were just chatting, for all of you who want to know, we were just chatting about insecurity, which, you know, of course, Kaylee and I are not insecure at all. <laughs> yeah, of course not. No, there's no insecurity. That's so. the biggest sarcasm right there. <laughs> Can I get any more sarcastic? Uh, no. We are like insecurity twinsies, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Yeah, which it's God's kindness that he's connected us together so we can so true. seek him for God confidence. And at some point when we feel like we have something to share, we will record an episode on our security in Christ. How does that sound? It sounds perfect. But, you know, thinking about it, though, there is a piece of this whole no fear thing, I think, that goes with the whole security or insecurity topic. So I have a feeling you're right. So maybe God will take our notes and our prepping and answer the prayer that we just prayed before we got on, which was that God would release us from insecurity and help us move into security in him. So today... We're talking about there is no fear in God's perfect love, and we're looking at 1 John uh, chapter 4. But before we get into kind of unpacking those scriptures, like what's been your experience with fear? I thought we'd kind of chat about that a little bit, and you know I'll confess mine. Right. Um, I was was definitely a very fearful child. I, I grew up in Florida, and there's a lot of things to be scared of in Florida, I'm telling you. Um, yeah, they're they're like alligators and um, sharks and large snakes and <laughs> do you see a theme here? Like creatures yeah. that I thought were going to eat me. Um, that is so, scary. Yeah, but beyond that, like I, I I do I remember like laying in bed as a kid and you know coming up with scenarios and thinking like how would I get away from kidnappers or or what would I do if my parents died? I mean there was just like a lot of fears and things that would kind of just creep into my brain. And I often, I was like, do I just have an overactive imagination or what? Mm -hmm. Um, And then, so, you know, my mom would talk to me about not worrying and that God gives us promises to not worry and that he's in control of everything. But I mean, it, it was still there, you know, these, what I would really classify as irrational fears. I don't know if you remember, but in the 90s, there was a company called No Fear, and they had t-shirts, 
And I remember seeing these shirts and it would be like, you know, come or I don't remember which one I bought, but it was something about like coming to the precipice and leaping off and, you know, no fear. And there was a sense of like, yes, I want to be in control and have power and, and, you know, just take the world by the horns, so to speak. And, you know, just be this amazing woman, right. That has all mm-hmm. this, um, strength and yet, I mean, a t-shirt sure didn't cut it as far as like, you know, helping me to overcome my fears or my insecurities. Cause I think we can go ahead and lump those together. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a struggle. Yeah, I, I would agree. And although I didn't deal with alligators and snakes and sharks, <laughs> oh my, um, one of my rational but irrational fears, I think when we moved uh, from Illinois to New York, when I was in fifth grade, going to sixth grade, no, fourth grade, going to fifth grade, um, I guess two years after we moved there, there was a hurricane Gloria. It was mm. the first time I'd ever experienced a hurricane. So we saw all these like massive trees come down mm-hmm. and my bedroom uh, in the house that we lived in, uh, there were these great locust trees and my fear with every wind from that point on mm-hmm. was that these trees were going to come down and I was going to be trapped under the trees. Mm-hmm. And literally that fear has like, I can't sleep when it storms. To this day, and I've always lived in places where there's great trees. I've lived through three hurricanes in my life. And so the fear of dying underneath the tree is definitely an irrational but rational fear. And yet sure. that um, I, I can look more closely at my life and say that sort of experience slash becomes now a personal fear has been a journey. Like, Mm-hmm. Um, I've lost a lot of people to uh, car accidents and suicides. And so there's always a fear of like, is somebody going to die? And so yeah. every time from the point my kids got their driver's licenses, I basically had to practice the discipline of, okay, Lord, I cannot control. I cannot control. That accident could happen outside my house or 200 miles away. And how am I going to to deal with that. And then I would say there's this other layer of fear of, oh no, I'm going to get hurt. Or, oh yeah. no, what uh, what am I going to do if they really find out? Like, or mm-hmm. what if I get rejected? Or what if I uh, don't make so-and-so happy? And so I, I feel like I live with fear, and I wrote about this in Unblinded Faith, that goes by another name which is concern. Mm-hmm. And, and God is really challenging me to take my concerns, cast my cares upon him, as he tells us to do in First Peter, and, and, not, and take my anxiety, which is, is anxiety of, am I going to get hurt? And give it to him. And I have, have this really like, awesome experience that I think of every time, like if you could see my hands right now, it's kind of, I'm kind of like throwing my hands up, like just trusting God. And so right. he, here's the visual. When Leah and Abby were like three and two, I mean, they were little, little. Uh, actually, no, even younger than that. Uh, the girls are two and a half years apart, so Abby would have still been a baby. Um, okay. we, <laughs> we had good friends, and my, my friend Megan had her kids were the same age as my kids. So she had twins. And she had, um, that were Leah's age. And then her second baby and Abby were the same age. Okay. So 
Megan didn't want to spend extra money on a triple stroller. Mm-hmm. She already had the double stroller for the twins. So she's so crafty. She made like a hammock to hang the baby in on the backside of the stroller, which was awesomely creative. And and I, was, I would watch that and be like, yeah, but it doesn't have buckles. Like you're not right. able to like fasten this child in. So there was one night after dinner, this was back when we lived at the boarding school, and it was before the new dining room had been built. So there was a, a hill the kids used to run down. It's the kind of hill that, I don't know, maybe it was like all of like 15 feet from like the top to the bottom. It wasn't a huge, mm-hmm. huge hill. Maybe it was a little bit bigger than that. But it's the kind of hill when you're like two, you're like, that's a mountain. And when you're an adult, you're like, oh, my word, I can't believe that was even counted as a hill. But if you try to go down it, you have to, you start running fast. You gain momentum. And then it would come down at the bottom of the hill to this big flat area. And Megan, we'd all like stand there because the kids would like to roll, you know, run down the hill, roll down the hill. One night we're sitting there and Megan's got the two girls strapped into the front and the baby in the hammock, and she pushes the stroller down the hill with the kids. And I was like, Megan, you are a nut. Like, I cannot believe you did that. And she's like, they'll be fine. And that's been Megan in my life, my whole life. She's been that girl who, like, it will be fine. And she would say to me, especially when the kids were little and I would worry about things, Stop borrowing trouble from tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like live in the moment. And it has been a mantra that I've I've still am trying to practice yeah. of taking those fears and choosing to live in the moment and not being worried about what's next while also kind of letting go a little bit. Like I never sent the girls down the hill, even though they were both strapped into the stroller and we always right. joke that that was that was just Megan. A little too much. <laughs> uh, a little too much, you know. And fortunately, her children are, are all, you know, they're all grown in college. <laughs> they all survived at this point. Um, and so it's just interesting how, what I noticed in our friendship was how our frame of reference was so dictated by our parents and our the culture in which we grew up in. And so I got to spend a lot of time with Megan's mom because she would come to visit and Megan kind of exuded the calmness and the carefreeness of her mother. Mm. And I would definitely say I exude the preparedness and the, the conservative approach of my mother. Right. And, and Megan challenged me to kind of step out of my comfort zone. And I, I think that's the beauty of community and friendship, which I know we're going to talk about that a little bit as we mm-hmm. look at this passage that how that affirmation, that fellowship kind of can be part of what God uses to move us out of fear because it's connected to his perfect love. Mm-hmm. Well, and when you were talking about it, it makes me think, I mean, fear, when we step outside and we share our fear, there's a level of vulnerability. And mm-hmm. and then we do, like it kind of, you get that fear of rejection though, of like, if if I bring this out to the surface what's everybody else going to think? Are they going to think I'm weak? Are they going to dismiss me because I can't, I don't have it all together. And yet there's also that total sense of community then and support. I know, I mean, I've felt it with you. Like there is, there's a level of support. And I know at this point in time too, because we have shared things that I can call and I don't have to 
to second guess or to worry about what I'm sharing mm -hmm. because I know that the encouragement's going to be there and the reminder to point me back to, you know, rational thinking and to God is going to happen. And so I seek that out because it, even though I can tell myself the same things, you know, don't worry, cast your cares upon God, um, all these things that mm -hmm. are biblical truth. Sometimes it takes hearing it from somebody else to be like, no, that's right. That's right. It's not yeah. just me. It's not just my thinking. You know, somebody else is validating that this is grounded in scripture and this is what God's plan is. And, and like you said, I think that's the beauty of what we are going to look at here is that it's part of the loving one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, my daughter Leah struggled with some anxiety that's actually become like a, a thing. Like we have, we mm -hmm. as a family and Leah has boldly, courageously said, I struggle with anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I think fear and anxiety are synonyms. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't think you have anxiety without fear. I don't think you have fear without anxiety. They just kind of go together. And so um, did she inherit that from me? Maybe. Is it part of her personality? Definitely. Is it a byproduct of something she's gone through? Um, not really, and yes, sort of. Like it's sort of one and the same. But right. the reason I share that is in in seeking out uh, help. One of the counselors was so effective and said to her, "You know, one, you have to bully the lies. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, who do we know is the father of lies? The right. enemy of God, the enemy. Mm -hmm. right?" So you have to you have to bully back the lies and and proclaim the truth of God's word, um, and then she said you also need to have people who are going to affirm that in your life, so that when mm -hmm. you're feeling anxious or afraid, you don't dwell in it by yourself. You have go-to people on your list that know that this is your struggle and are there for you, can start praying for you, and can speak truth to you. Right, right, and that's exactly what you just said. So. So it's not just like Kaylee's suggestion for how to battle fear. And it's not just, you know, what you do in a clinical sense. It is biblical. We're going to see that uh, right here. Right. And there's one other thing I was actually having a conversation with a group of students um, last night. We were doing a Bible study and they were talking about stress. And I asked them, you know, what holds you back from talking to one another and sharing the stress? And the number one response out of them was that they don't want to be a burden to somebody else. Ah. And then there was another another guy in the group, and um, he he was a history buff, and so he started talking about how um, everything has changed military wise with post traumatic stress disorder. That back in World War One. That after, you know, you'd get done fighting for the day or whatever battle, there wasn't night vision, goggles and, and artillery and all these kind of things. Like they would stop. They would stop the battle and they would sit around the campfire and they would decompress basically. You know, they would share the struggles of the day and and what happened and maybe who they lost. You know, they would they would have time to sit with each other. And after that point in time, I guess even I was reading up on it then because I was curious about this. Um, even with World War II, though, like they after when they would ship them back home, there was all this time on the ship to get back across the ocean. 
that they had all of this time to like deal with the struggles. And then when they got home, you know, they were given the hero's welcome. And so there was this support system. But after that point in time with Vietnam and moving forward, it was get on a plane and you're home the next day. There was no time to process what they had gone through. And then especially like with the Vietnam War, there was there was so much dissension mm -hmm. around it that when they got home, there wasn't like this, oh, thank you and this hero's welcome. It was this political upheaval. So he was commenting that pain shared, where we could say, you know, fear shared is is fear divided. So pain shared is pain divided or fear shared is fear divided. Um, because then we're taking something that's like all on our shoulders that we're trying to carry and we're helping to disperse it among godly people who we trust and obviously ultimately our heavenly father. But like that helps to scatter it, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit. And I think some of the things like with these, what the kids were talking about is, and what I encourage them, yeah, don't just go sharing it with everybody, you know, don't go walk into the classroom and oh my word, I'm so anxious today and I can't deal with this and I can't deal with that. And I think maybe that's where they're coming from because there are kids like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, and adults, and it's just this spew out to anybody and everybody who will listen. And it feels overwhelming then because you're like, I cannot listen or deal with all of your baggage every day, day in, day out. And yet when you have a few people who understand and you have, you know, a trusting relationship, like it, that's a healthy situation where which you need to have mm -hmm. and to be able to process things. And like you said with Leah, you know, she has you guys as family and then I'm assuming, you know, a few friends or whatever mm -hmm. or church people that she can go to. Yeah. And then that's effective. And you know, the core lie that she was believing was that she was a burden. And it was because of a situation that she went through that was ugly and horrible. And it's not my story to tell. Um, but she, the pieces of what she processed coming out of, that, out of that situation was very much, I'm a burden. I'm too mm -hmm. much. Which is a lie that I would say probably 90% of American females feel. Maybe 90% of American, of women feel is that I'm a burden. I'm too much. I'll never be enough. And, you know, that's where we shift our identity off of who Christ is in us. And we put our identity on our, our performance or our accomplishments. And so, which we, we've been talking about all of this podcast season. And so for her getting to the root lie was the beginning of unpacking that lie and then demolishing that lie, which is what Second mm -hmm. Corinthians 10.5 talks about. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And the word before that part of the verse is actually demolish arguments and pretensions of every kind. And so mm -hmm. that required like literally the sword in battle, mm -hmm. which was the word, to proclaim the truth over her heart and mind. And when she was weakened from the battle that she had been enduring alone, mm -hmm. she she wasn't able to stand up against the enemy's verbal attacks on her, the spiritual attacks on her. And, and yet then she was able to find her way out of it by speaking her struggle to her closest friends. And actually in her case, it was one friend with her while she was at college for that semester, and it was her two best friends from high school. And they started connecting using Voxer, which you know I talk about all the time, um, because they're at three different college campuses. And right. if she struggled, she sent a message, I need you to pray now. And those girls would pray for her. So it, she came up with a new strategy to battle the anxiety and fear, and that's been translating 
into such healing and such health uh, over, you know, the last six to nine months of watching how she's figuring out. And it's been an inspiration to me because it's easy to stay debilitated in a problem Mm -hmm. that just feels like it's personality driven. Sure. And for her to say, okay, I'm learning how to own that this is my struggle. It may be my struggle forever, but I am going to learn how to live this battle out. Stand, standing tall. I think of the Ephesians 6 passage that says stand. And when you're done standing, stand some more, you know, right? Uh, in it. And I think that's what we need to do as women with each other. Like who's the core three that... Mm-hmm. Maybe you're spread across coast to coast, but in the in the moment of fear, rather than giving into it or calling it by another name, saying, I am going to turn to this person and say, here's where I'm struggling right now. Pray right. me out of this. I think the challenge that I know I've faced at times is then feeling like, oh, it's back again. Like, yes. And, and then it's hard not to get yourself caught in the loop of feeling even more, even worse about yourself or getting down on yourself of like, okay, so you've turned this over to the Lord. Like, why is it coming back? You know, mm-hmm. as you said, like pick up the sword of the, of the word and like battle it. But you feel like, okay, can I just be done with that battle? <laughs> like, I know. I like know. David killed Goliath once. Like, <laughs> yes, you're yes. done. Yes. But Paul had his thorn. I know. And how many, I mean, I I remember falling in love with Paul early on in my faith, like the first year of reading the word of God because of his passage in Romans. I do not do what I want to do and what I do not do, I do. And I was like, this is all just a bunch of doo-doo. And I I feel it all over me right now. I'm like, Lord, and, and it's been 25 years since that time when I gave my life to the Lord and I... Uh, you and I were just talking about it before we got on. Like, when will some of these emotional battles uh, come to an end and, and we'll experience victory in Christ? And and maybe, maybe if that's not God's plan. Right. Is it like, is it, yeah, earthly victory or we right, have right, right. to keep doing, we have to keep battling it because it's not going to go away and it's not until... Till, till the resurrection when it's the final victory, you know, right, right. When Jesus returns. Um, yeah, I think, right. that, I mean, obviously like you want it to be like the final victory now, like, can't we just, cause if I, if I could move on from that, like, couldn't I be more effective? <laughs> yes. Yes. And I think that victory, you know, I said, maybe there won't be victory in Christ, which would not be theologically sound because there's always victory in Christ. Correct. And so I'm glad you clarified that because I think, I, I think what I'm trying to say is that the victory we're looking for is no longer a struggle with, mm-hmm. and maybe the victory in Christ is allowing his power to be made perfect mm-hmm. in our weakness. I just had a thought. Um, when somebody gets cancer, like it goes in remission, mm-hmm. but it doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. There's always the chance and, 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 you know, sometimes it does come back and they battle it again um, because you can't ever get rid of it fully. And yeah, is there certain things in our lives or um, just stuff that, yes, maybe some of us struggle with more so, but 
God is with us. And, and like you said, he gives us victory in that moment. I mean, you think of David's life, he gave him victory so many times, but it's not that the battles with Saul went away. It's not mm. what the battles with his, his children even went away. You know, there was, there was family struggles that continued to perpetuate throughout his life. Um, but it was always that he would turn it around. You, you, you can hear it completely in the Psalms, you know, the laments with the like, yes. I praise you, but I praise you. Um, and he would have victory. I mean, there, there was no question about it. And yet stuff kept coming up. I know. I know. Well, and I, I can't help but think that's the dependency on Jesus and mm -hmm. us not being. If we were Jesus, there would be no, there would be no. <laughs> no point. No point. So let's let's see what we can learn about the character of God through this passage in yes. First John. So First John, uh, I'm thinking that we're going to read chapter four from verses seven through twenty-one. Okay. So I'll go ahead and start here. Uh, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Gosh, there's just so much right there. <laughs> this whole passage, there's... A lot to unpack. Okay, so we're going to do it this way. I, I can't go on. I mean, here's what's jumping out of me. The, dear friends, the, the power of friendship, mm -hmm. the call to love, the understanding that love comes from God, mm -hmm. and that our adoption in Christ is how we know the love of God. And that if, I mean, there's the insecurity antidote God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him right if we know we are loved by God why does anything else matter that's so true but why is it so hard I know you're gonna cry and I'm gonna cry no it's like why why is it so hard to to take that all in and to just leave it at that, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's the continuing trying to measure up or, or we don't feel it from other people. So then I guess we, you know, we doubt or we just let other people's like opinions take over. But, and, and I love that, not that we loved God, like it has nothing to do with us. Yeah. But he loved us. Yeah. Yeah. Real love. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Man, so we are definitely trying to, we're evaluating God's love for us based on others' love for us. Mm. Whereas God's saying, no, no, no. Real love is, is that I'm giving this to you, even though mm. you haven't earned it, asked for it, deserved it. Warranted yeah, it's it, not even measured up ask, to it. Asked for it, like it's just it's there. It's there, and in case you know, if God was sitting here with us right now, He'd say, "And in case you questioned whether or not I loved you, <laughs> I gave up my son for you." Right. 
because I want you to be with me forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and always. Yeah. Yeah, but we, we, yet the, I can't help but think that that verses seven and eight, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God, that we as the body are supposed to represent the real love of God. Mm -hmm. Which goes back to then how do we, you know, coming back to how do we support each other so that we're not overcome by the fears and the perplexities and all the things that kind of bombard us, but that, that we can find safety in our relationships with each other. Right. And if our, if all of our relationships were from the time we were born, if all we ever experienced was the real love of God through the words, hands of his creation, mm -hmm. We would never battle insecurity or fear ever in our lifetime. Yeah. But I mean, you think about it, like I can, I could, I could sit and list off the, the people or the times where I felt less than because of their response or how they treated me or, um, mm -hmm. you know, all that. And so if you, if you think about it, that's, that's what's battling and like just, you know, the water droplets on your head. Yes. Like, just like, yes. Okay. Which one are you really going to listen to? Cause yeah, guess what? All these people have slighted you or rejected you or, and so you have all these things like stacking up and mm -hmm. against this, obviously this huge concept of God's love. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think because it's, because you end up like you deal with the other, it's like right in front of your face, the rejection. Mm -hmm. That it's it's harder that in I don't want to say intangible, but yeah, I mean this this idea of God's love does feel intangible. I think yeah, at times, at times I think it does, and and yet then maybe that's why it goes back to dear friends. I mean, right. if you were editing this, you would say, why do you you can't use dear friends twice in one <laughs> section? Like you would say, find another way to say it, right? <laughs> But this is God. We don't edit God. So, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really interesting. I don't have that highlighted or underlined. I, I, and I think I, because at the core, I just don't know what to do with that. Mm. No one has ever seen God. There, we're talking about the intangible. Right. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, if we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world, all who declare that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. What are you thinking? This goes back to like, it's, I mean, a lot of times I think it's easy to fall into trying to earn love because I feel like that's um, what we often do with our family or coworkers or the people around us is it's trying to, to live up to something, expectations, or if we, if we perform a certain way, then people applaud us or say thank you or 
acknowledge that, you know, I'm using air quotes that they couldn't do life without us. So it gives us that, that reassurance of like, Oh, I'm needed. I'm valuable. I'm, I'm loved. And yet when you look at this, um, it goes back to in verse 15, all who declare that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them. Like Mm -hmm. just me speaking the words of like, I believe in Jesus Christ. He, then God's living in me and I'm living in God. Like Mm -hmm. it's that simple. It's not this, this long process. And that goes back to the very beginning of that, um, that, that it's not that we loved God, but he loved us first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, there is a very simple action God wants it to take, and that's declare that Jesus is our mm-hmm. Savior, mm-hmm. which requires an admission that we need a Savior, Yeah. which requires vulnerability, mm-hmm. which then one might tr- say, to truly be loved by God, we have to be completely, to truly know the love of God, we have to be fully vulnerable before him and say mm-hmm. we need him. Mm-hmm. And, and I think of how when I came to know the Lord, when that my junior semester in college, I was saying yes to Jesus for the future. I wanted right. the promise of eternity. I wanted a better life than what I had come from. And I thought God could give that to me, but it took 10 years for me to give him everything from my past. Mm-hmm. And it's fair to say that God loved me at that point. He loved me before that point. He's loved me after that point. But I wasn't fully experiencing his love because I was holding a portion of myself back from him. Yeah. So uh, verse, the second, this is funny. The second part of verse 16 is a new paragraph in my Bible. Same. God, God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. Paul could practically be writing this right now. <laughs> it I know. Has, it has his like cadence. It does. And as, as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Do you ever find like, you know, when I first came to Christ, the WWJD movement was like oh, yeah. popular. So, you know, what would Jesus do for those, you know, millennials? I have no idea what I'm talking about. But, um, you know, I, I always, because my Bible reading had had not existed when I was introduced to that movement, I always thought WWJD was just something that people made up. Like it was catchy. And then I I read this and it says, because we live like Jesus here in this world is WWJD. Like, right. What would Jesus do if I'm going to, if I'm going to be in this world, how am I going to live like Jesus? Then we can face him with confidence, which is the opposite of our insecurity. And Mm. that's, we weren't even going to talk about that on this episode. (laughs) (laughs) It all goes together. It all goes together. Yeah, this is oh. everybody seeing us work out our stuff. I, I like that word. I mean, and and you're right. Like, that is the exact opposite of fear. Mm. The exact opposite of fear is confidence in Christ. Right? So, verse 18. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. 
perfect love expels all fear. Because we have put our trust in his love. Mm -hmm. Verse 16. Well, and that's what I was trying to say. You know, perfect love expels all fear. But how how do we keep resting in that perfect love? You know, is it, is it just come back to it's that reminder? And I mean, like, we just have to, the sticky note, my bathroom, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's the whole, like, keep it before you at all times. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, you go back to Deuteronomy, and I quote that passage all the time, where we're supposed to bind it on us, like, we're supposed to remember that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and and impress that upon our children. And so if we're in a posture of impressing upon our children, constantly training them up, the teacher knows the curriculum better than anybody in the classroom. Right. It, isn't, isn't it funny, though? Like, I mean, so the Jews would, you know, they had the phylacteries that they would tie mm-hmm. on their head and they would. They would literally bind up their arms and and have the scriptures attached to them. And yet that alone did not solve their problems. I mean, true. <laughs> oh, dear. True. <laughs> you know, Israelite history is so fraught with them forgetting all of this stuff that they knew. So, you know, it's, it's this all meshed together then of how do we, how do we keep it ever before us? But, um, in that context of relationship and, and surrender and trusting so that we're actually believing it too. Okay. So I'm going to get a hypothetical here and there's no theological basis for this whatsoever, (laughs) but did the Israelites, Israelites do it religiously, but without sincerity? I feel like it got to that point in time for sure. Like kind of just going through the motions. Yeah. I mean, well, I, you know, that's half of the, the uh, pharisaical laws became, mm-hmm. you know, that they put into place. Well, take, for instance, the Sabbath. I know we're kind of, you know, taking a little rabbit trail, but, um, you know, the fourth commandment and talking about the Sabbath, they, they were so worried then about stepping out and breaking it that they added hundreds mm-hmm. of laws like of then having to pin their you know like a, a handkerchief to their clothing because they weren't allowed like it would be work to lift out a clothing to blow their nose or they could only walk certain distance and if they if they went too far then that would be a journey versus just you know a sabbath day's walk or whatever um so they hedged in so much protection around them because then it became all about just doing versus mm-hmm. knowing and and having the relationship with the creator. Mm, that's good. So we have to strive for the balance of mm. finding the reminders for the doing without the doing become becoming our religion and yeah. and losing the relationship that is through Christ where we're going to find love in relationship but not in religious activity. Right. Right. Um, there, there was a really great message at my church uh, with a, a guest uh, preacher, and he he taught on uh, the a perspective on the Ten Commandments I had never heard before that completely relates to this. 
He said the first four verses on the Ten Commandments are vertical. So it's between mm-hmm. us and God. Yeah. And the last six ten parts of the Ten Commandments are horizontal. Mm-hmm. And so the graphics people at our church created a cross out of the Ten mm-hmm. Commandments. And so I love it because as a visual person, I'm like, boom, yeah, see it, right? And yeah. so we can't experience the fullness of the relationship we have with God without the horizontal relationships with his body. Mm. We can't experience the fullness of the relationships with his body without the vertical relationship through Christ. Well, and doesn't that tie back into what we're reading that, you know, as you pointed out, like dear friends, like there's in it's love one another, love God, accept his love, but also in the process of sharing and doing life together. Um, it, it's that twofold that keeps us on the right path and just helps us to cope with life too. Yeah, which, and you know, back to that Deuteronomy passage, the, the, the sister verse is what Jesus gave us to not only love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, and all our soul, but to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so through Jesus, he gives us the fullness of like, you can't just have part A without part B. Mm -hmm. It's the whole, it's the whole part. So to continue here for a couple more verses. uh, So if we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. And so I would imagine that we could go deeper and do a study on, and maybe this is a challenge for all of us to leave this episode with, is what fear of punishment? You know, what are we afraid of? And what fear of punishment? Is that is that punishment that we're not going, you know, to heaven? Is that punishment for our sins? What what is it that we're afraid of and how does that line up with eternity mm. and and God's love? And then verse 19, we love each other because he loved us first. And so I'm going to keep going there. Verse 20, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see. And if he has given us this command, Those who love God must also love their fellow believers, which just ties up everything we just talked about without us even planning any of it. God, thank you. Thank you, Lord. What's your, what's your kind of closing thoughts on this? I think everything that we've talked about, you know, the, that fear equals lies, um, fear of rejection, fear of whatever those those are the lies of the enemy and yet love equals truth um and how do we process all of that truth you know and and when the fears happen just coming right back to it and like you like you said you know it's it is it's that that vertical relationship with god and making sure that we're um connected and centered with him and in his word and then the the connection with each other um, and not being letting, allowing ourselves to be vulnerable, that we can have the support from the people around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have been all over the map, and part of that is because what you and I are walking through in our real life of 
yeah. in our, pre- our ever-present struggle with insecurity, which probably by another name is fear of rejection and fear of not mm-hmm. being good enough and all the fears we've talked about. And, you know, this passage doesn't, doesn't unpack that fear. I mean, it says perfect love casts out fear and such love has no fear. Uh, and so let's just take our fears by whatever name we call them and say, God, will you infuse our fears with your love and bring into our life people who can be that tangible expression mm-hmm. of his love. And I think likewise, be willing to be vessels of his love to mm-hmm. others. And so, you know, before we got on, we prayed and I prayed and I said, God, just show us the way out of this. And I think he kind of has in that one of the ways I'm seeing one of the ways out is to look outward and say, God, how do you want me to love them? Mm. Um, rather than looking inward and saying, what's wrong with me? Mm. So the people who we may be feeling rejected from, or they might not even know, right? Yes. You know, yes. Are the people who just kind of flare up those insecurities of like, oh, they're so perfect or they've got everything together. Yeah. So the suggestion of like, then how do we, how do we celebrate with them and how do we love them? Is that, is that kind of where yeah. you're going? Yeah. Like I, I love antidote, like, um, not an antidote. What is it? Like when, when you like to get, so you don't get the mumps, you go for the, the oh, shot. Like a vaccine. Like a vaccine. Like, right. If this is the struggle, this is the truth. And mm-hmm. so if the struggle is a fear, a fear of rejection, a fear of hurt, a fear of being overwhelmed, I think we need to have truth statements that kind of counter those fears. But I also, um, I think with the truth statement it is how are we going to take action on that truth? Like it's one thing for us to just chant a mantra. Um, right. Uh, God is a God of action in my opinion in love if we look at first corinthians 13 love is a verb it's not a feeling it's a verb and so what are the action steps that we can take in the opposite direction of what we're feeling so you know for back to leah for a second in her anxiety her her reaction is to withdraw in and try to control something that makes her feel less anxious sure but but she's learning how to turn outward and say, pray for me, I need help mm-hmm. on this, and and move in a new direction. And so for me, I think an action step will be when I see something that triggers my insecurity to then say, I'm going to pray for that person right now, or I'm going to pray for that offense mm-hmm. right now, uh, that God would enable me to show that person love um, because his love lives in me. Right. I think, I think if this all makes sense. And then the community piece of like, you know, when I, I came to you and I said, ah, I'm spiraling and this is what I'm feeling. Right. Uh, very much I received your love and it was an expression of God's love. And so to mm-hmm. have those kind of go-to people to say, maybe, so we don't get filled with condemnation, there's a couple go-to people. So you don't feel like you're going to the same person over and over again. <laughs> as long as you're authentic and not like... <laughs> sure I dealt with that and you're talking to three other people (laughs) instead well Kaylee would you um, close us out in prayer as we move from here 
Dear Heavenly Father, um, we thank you so much for your love for us. And, you know, this passage in 1 John is so clear. I mean, he reiter John reiterates over and over how much you love us and that you have given us your son. And we're so, so grateful for that. And Lord, we just ask that you would please be with each one of us as women, um, everybody who's listening and being with Lisa and I, that as we go through life and as we deal with the, the battles that come our way and the fears that try to overwhelm us, that we would turn to your word, that we would rely on your word, that we would be able to support one another as believers um, and that you would send us the, the support system that we need as a church um, so that we can lift each other up and continue to point ourselves back to you. So we thank you so much for this time together. And we just ask that you would leave with each one of us. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks, Kaylee, for being my, my pal in this. God's doing a work on us as we're <laughs> sharing. So true. So true. So thank you, everyone, for listening to the More to Be podcast. We are praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time with us today. If you'd like to show your support for the ministry of More to Be and our podcast, We'd love for you to become a More To Be Tribe member. You'll get access to a library of life application studies and worksheets, audio recordings, and video teachings with exclusive resources added each month. To learn more, visit moretobe.com slash podcast for a special link just for our podcast listeners. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.